This is a Strategist, episode 1288. My name is Zane Velji. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter. Uh, Corey, he, he now comes to the show with not just a vigor, an energy to do the show, but he comes with a heart out. He's done this two episodes in a row. Yeah. We're talking about none other than uh, yeah. the man older than time, Stephen Carter. Dance. <laughs> I got to get my movement circle on my watch. So I got to keep okay. moving. Sounds ex- I don't, dance I don't is like very, this at all. It's appropriating yeah. some culture. I don't know which one. But it's, it's a white man culture. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's good. That's right. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've seen this We in, don't have in the a culture per se, but it works pretty well. Carter's gesticulating okay. in every direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. Things are going well oh, for him. Nope. Just went. I'm good. You're good? Okay. Yeah. There you go. You got it. All you have to do is get your rings to close. It doesn't matter how you do them. That's what Heather said. So. All right. Yeah. That's what I do. You know, this is gamification. This is the downside of gamification, Is this the downside? Me getting healthier? More fit? There's a a thing called Goodhart's Law, which is that once, um, you know, a measurement becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measurement because people will inevitably game it and find their way to do it in the least amount of effort possible. And often that will negate any of the value of it because you'll have like some old white guy just shaking his arms around until he gets his rings closed for example. I think to bring it back home to our world uh membership sales uh is is a good is a, is a good uh, uh metric carter uh why, yeah. why sell any memberships not, it's not no longer a good metric of anything okay yeah. it's not it's, it's not a metric, hey, metric of anything how many uh how many met, how many memberships did your campaign sell last week oh so many carter which campaign is that which campaign is that stephen carter the zane velgi for leader campaign I mean, after that episode. I mean, are you working on two? After that episode, Carter. <laughs> I really liked how Carter did that. That was really Let good. me tell you something. Yeah. After that episode. Who else really liked that? Yeah. Sound off in the comments. Yeah. That was all me. Yeah. Yeah. You had Carter. a good time, hey? I'm, you like I'm, that? All, I'm always hedging my bets. I'm always, always hedging my bets. Always hedging your bets. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, okay. As you, as you feel that I am a stalking horse, a Trojan horse, some sort of horse for another campaign. Uh, it's not true. Zane Velji's his own thing. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, can I actually jump on to my first segment here? It is about one oh, sure. Zane Velji. Uh, the first segment is called, uh, Did Zane Velji Fuck Up? Guys, I'm going viral. I'm not even joking. I uh, A clip of, of... Are you actually going yes, viral? Yes, in Why? a very specific, particular, and perhaps problematic way. And I actually want to talk to you guys about it. This is, oh, this is, actually, this is actually very, very interesting. Is this a real it's thing? It's totally a real thing. Um, okay. It's like a real thing in like very small circles. So what ended up happening, you guys will recall, we recorded an episode on Friday where we yeah. talked about the um, National Council of Canadian Muslims. This is the group that had um, proposed that letter to MPs right. um, mm-hmm. alongside su- certain congregations of mosques. You see where this is going, Corey, right? Um, this is, you guys are going to be talking some hardcore Muslim WhatsApp politics in a second here. Okay. Oh, I love this. This is, <laughs> this is, is going to be great. Um, this is our most accessible I, okay. episode ever. Uh, so on Thursday night, I was on Par in Politics, and in the panel that I do, um, we have this gamified, speaking of gamified, we have to choose a story that's either up or down and then justify or rationalize why it's up or down. The story I chose was this story. And I said it was an up because I, I like the fact that communities, especially the Muslim community here, uh, historically, largely voiceless, sometimes, you know, um, on the on the wrong side of, of other people's uh, rhetoric and, and targeting, um, getting loud about what they care about, why they care about it, so to speak. I then also threw in Corey, and this is where it might get problematic. I, I, I threw in the broader statement... I like when groups that are cultural or religious such as this one own their power. Now, now, Corey, on WhatsApp, mm. on WhatsApp, I'm being celebrated. I'm getting the first, the first couple hours. They're like, dude, the talk's all about you. A lot of love, a lot of love from the community. I'm like, you know what? I am a hero of the community. This is good. Yeah. They should be celebrating okay. me. I feel there's a even, turn. Even though, there's even a turn though, that's happening. Even though I'm part of yeah. the minority of this of the broader Muslim community. They're celebrating one of their own. I like this. Corey, it's going well for me. Okay, I'm getting high off my supply. Yeah. And then, Corey, guess what? Last night, 1130 at night, I'm watching Love is Blind season six, which, by the way, amazing. No spoilers. No, it's not. Uh, no. It's amazing. Okay. This is perfect. It's season. not a good thing. Don't watch it. I get, I get a series, not just one, a series of messages being like, "Dude, what the fuck are you doing?" Uh, conservative Muslims are now spreading your clip online as a suggestion that they should go even further on what is what politicians should or should not believe 
if they have to if they if they're able to use the prayer space oh, or the mosque nice. space to promote. So you see, Carter, I've gotten myself <laughs> into a situation. The question is. Did I fuck up? Because there's two ways to think about it. Number one, on the specifics, I am glad that this Muslim, that the Muslim community, at least this National Council of Canadian Muslims, uh, has put out this letter. I believe in what they're trying to do by by forcing the hand of politicians. I've largely been a believer for a long time that we have. Um, as minority communities or religious communities, largely voiceless ones like the Muslim community, been too okay with politicians just coming using us and treating us like a voter block uh, and not expressing our power. So I'm happy with the fact that I said that. I'm not so happy that the implication here, Carter, is that on files that I'm absolutely opposed to, as in these Muslim groups or certain Muslim groups, I shouldn't say these, now taking a cue to say, you know what? Yeah, you can't come in and be um, pro-trans rights if you want to speak. I'm not saying anyone has said that, but the implication is certainly there. So the question to me is, A, did I fuck up? And B, and the answer could be yes, and I'm happy to take it, but B, what you guys think of communities Wait, using me, the stick just... versus the carrot. So I want to throw both of those out there. Talk about the Zane Velji question first. And, and and by extension, will this tank Zane Velji's leadership chances? Um, did he fly too close to the sun here? And if if, if, if Zane Velji did fuck up, it was Zane Velji for leader, not me, that fucked up. Corey Hogan, you're, you're first on deck. Well, did you fuck up? Yes. Wh- what were your goals? You were providing commentary on a national TV show that wants to have relevant commentary that people are talking about, and people are talking about it. So if you think of yourselves as a CBC pundit, oh, congratulations, you did the opposite of fucking up. You actually did the thing that pundits try to do, which is get into the discourse get, get, and shit. Get the discussion the going. Okay. Okay, yeah. fair. But, that's the but. But, if your goal was uh, to advance progressive causes more it broadly... <laughs> Well, then you fucked up, right? Like, <laughs> I know. Here's the I, thing. And, and I, I, okay, go ahead. Carter, you think I fucked up too, right? Yeah. Here's, here's the yeah. reason. I don't know if you're aware of this. I mean, maybe you're not. But some churches, mosques, temples. No, I know. I know you're Have different yes. ideas and values than you do, right? <laughs> so when you say, I'm really glad that this, this group of people grabbed onto this and started to, to For to this particular really issue, which I, have, which I have no, no, no like, I stand no, no, by that. No, I stand no, by that. No, no, I stand by Zane. That. You're adding an ex- you're adding a whole thing. They only hear what they want to hear, right? This Absolutely. is why Corey and I are so measured on this podcast. Corey and I spend <laughs> so much time thinking about what we're going to say because if we say the wrong thing, just a couple words, it will be taken out of context, and oh, we'll hear about it. We'll hear about it. Mostly, we'll hear about it from our wives, but we will still hear about it. And uh, it's happened to us. I don't think ever. Hey, Corey, like you and I have pretty much, no. you know. We've never had a problem. Um, my, my wife I thinks say, I've my, uh, uh, pulled the Muslim cause back years. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, 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 it's good. good. Congratulations. It's like just about like pre-9-11 days. So it's going to get really good really quickly for us at this point. You know, there is a there is a broader lesson here about uh, seeing the forest for the trees and, and kind point. of taking arguments to their logical conclusions, right? Mm-hmm. And so... You can make an argument like that, and uh, but when you follow it all the way through... That is a good point, right? There are there are other views that uh, perhaps uh, you'd be less enthusiastic about. You know, any kind of group kind of saying, "Well, this is our view, so we're gonna, uh, of course, we're gonna plow through." And, and of it. course, like I mean, I, I would be I would be foolish not to mention the fact that, like, specifically in in countries like the United States, where you know, governing through scripture is now a thing in certain states, in certain parties, it is now an ideology. Yeah, I would never. That's not what I'm suggesting. But I think there is a broader discussion. I'm, I'm curious if you guys are willing to have it. This wasn't part of the game plan, but fuck it. W- what do you? Because we did discuss a bit of this topic on on um, uh, Friday, Corey, when we talked on the Patreon episode about this. You said this particular thing was an overreach by this. I don't even want to talk about the particulars. I guess. Yeah. What do you think about communities feeling like they're forced to use the stick rather than the carrot? And I find that so fascinating. Like, this was, like, one thing is clear, I think, across the board, regardless of your politics in the broader Muslim community. And I know there's varying, like, politics all the way from hyper-progressive. Like, today, I was part of a WhatsApp email blast and an email blast simultaneously being like, we are moving to the federal NDP. That is where this community needs to move. That's the only community supporting us. That's the only community that's on the right side of what we care about. All the way to, you know, we stand with Danielle Smith, Al-Rashid Mosque sort of statement, which has been circulating around uh, what WhatsApp sort of thing, which is the 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 medium 
that's 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 most popular amongst certain groups. But Corey, like, what do you think of communities feeling frustration and have to draw this red line? I find that fascinating because we've all t- for the longest time talked about widest tent, coalition building, reasonable compromise. That's how you you know use power effectively. But I'm curious what you think of this, because when you follow this up to its rational conclusion, as you've just said, we could end up in a very weird spot where where this lesson, if applied broadly, ends up to to perhaps hurt democracy in some way, although I could maybe even argue the opposite, which is like democracy should be difficult and uncomfortable and not necessarily served on a silver platter for politicians, although I'm not making that argument. I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Corey. (laughs) I mean, you've thrown like eight different views out there. I, and I think well, that they're my, all legitimate. Yeah. I think actually what underlines it all is that these things are messy and they're different and power dynamics shift and negotiation dictates outcomes and single issues can consume and then single issues can abate. And ultimately, at the end of the day, these groups are also not monolithic, whether it be the Muslim community, uh, Christian community, Calgarians the good residents of Che, whatever it is, right? And some groups will have firmer boundaries around them than others, but there tends to be a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, fuzziness on the parameters of any group. Mm -hmm. People who are members of group but don't necessarily buy into majority opinions of that group. People who have majority opinions on some matters, but not on all matters. And I think that one of the realities is that as and we've seen this over centuries in in this country in this continent more generally which tends to have been a continent where we've seen waves of immigration Mm -hmm, from different mm -hmm, places mm -hmm. is when groups are small and have relatively little power they tend to stick together very strongly yes on yes and you know and and Yes, there are also those realities you were talking about where they can often just be happy to be part of those corridors of power as sort of a a step two. But step three is, well, I'm in those corridors of power. Fuck all of you. And I'm going to have views. Mm. And step four is often that's not my view, you know, like I'm in this group, but that's not my view. And there's just, you know, that those hard boundaries that dictate being a member of a group or not start to fall away the longer those groups are in a country, in a community, and start taking up membership in a lot of other communities, right? Whether it be their geographic community, or I don't know, they're all at the same library, or you name it. And so it shifts over time. And it's it's fascinating, and it's very interesting. And it's not a one-way, one unidirectional kind of thing. But it it's moving, I guess, is the point. Yeah, and there are a yeah. lot of ways you can think about this. Uh, you know, it's it, Corey it, it, Carter phrases the much more articulate version of the argument I was trying to have with my wife at one a.m. when I got these series of text messages, and I and I lost. Um, just so you know, of course. But you know, part of me was there was no doubt. Part of me, I'm going to kind of phrase it a different way, which was like, part of me would kind of relish. Maybe that's not even the right word, but I'll throw it out there. The 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 idea that a, a certain group. Like, let's just use this current example. A Muslim group would put out this statement. Let's say it be on trans rights, right? Like, because I'm agreeing, I agree with them on the on the materiality of this letter that they put out on, on, on Gaza. Okay, let's just put park that one aside. Let's say one group comes out on trans rights and then another mosque doesn't. And then one person or a couple of people within the group that, you know, they felt like was speaking for them on trans rights says, no, I disagree with what they just said, by the way. And people in the other group and the response, saying, you know what, fuck you, I disagree with my group just said. And, and my argument ultimately was, was that in politics, groups like the Muslim community and others have been treated as voting blocks. And the fact that if we could, like, atomize ourselves, we have more power that way than less okay. in some weird way. Am you're, I wrong? You're totally wrong. I mean, fuck. Am I wrong? This is, Am this I is wrong? so painful no, to no, listen no. to. It why, makes me want to hurt myself. That, why is that wrong? Why, why is it wrong? Because a voting block, first of all. No, and, no, no. Let, let, can, can, can I explain? No, no. No, Groups no, that you can't. can't be easily persuaded by one single thing and being like, we got them in the bag, no, which, by is one how we treat, which is how one we treat person. every single group right now, versus no. loosely aligned around the broader Muslim cause, but oh. atomized as individuals with their own decision-making capacity. Oh to God. me, I think that is even more and what, powerful. And when, the, and when the rainbows come out of your asshole, I mean, does it, Corey does it sees, taste Corey good? Sees, <laughs> no, it's now, bullshit. Now you're, Let me tell now you you're being Islamophobic. Now you're being like, at Carter, no. Carter, Cook. <laughs> That was not homophobic. That was very (laughs) pro-homophobic. No, I said Islamophobic. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We create tactics. 
right? Yes. And and we build those tactics to fit into our strategies. And those tactics work fabulous. Corey and I had this conversation 2013, 2012. We were down in DC. We talked about the tactics that had been used in 2008, 2006, yes. 2010 yes. to elect a swath of liberals, right? For lack of a better phrase, the left, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. All of those tactics, all of those tools were then grabbed by the right, right? Forget about these monolithic ideas of the of Muslim culture or uh, yes. we, we could go back to Italian, we could go to Catholic, we could go to any, Catholic any versus community. Protestant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, John Duffy literally wrote the book on this one. It's called Fights of Our Lives. It talks about how different voter groups have been used through history. And they're all the same, Zane. They're all the same. Because at the end of the day, people don't give a fuck enough to learn about how to vote. Right. I don't give a shit what your what your nationality, what your religion, what your ethnicity is. Everybody, everybody's in the same boat boat. So we use tactics to trick them. And sometimes we use in-group, out-group tactics. And sometimes we use, uh, you, know, you know, religious leadership tactics. And sometimes we use social media tactics. But they're all just fucking tactics to get people to do what we want them to do. And you, sir, made the cardinal error of using a, a single tactic as though it can only be used in one way. And it can be used in two, at least. And it got used oh, for no. you, and it got used, and it's going to be used again yet. Jesus and that, my friend, I, I'm over that's that. the cardinal error. No, I'm not. I'm I'm back to that because that's where we started, and that's where we're fucking going to end. Ba-boom, and I'm out. Carter's off to bed. Carter's just going to... Are you going to end on Come that on. note? Hey, Corey, is there... And I'm actually happy to take it if you guys disagree. Like, I actually think it's an interesting conversation for for me, at least. Am I? Is there any merit in what I'm trying to say around a group's power being like you can't just court it with one move, one whatever? Being like these are all individuals that then belong to a broader, wow. broadly defined group. You're grinning, yeah. And I don't know if that means You're... I agree with Zane or this guy's a fucking idiot and we need to get a new host to this podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen. I understand what you're saying about how all of a sudden you have many different sources of power and conversation, Correct. but I ultimately do kind of believe that uh, the union makes us strong, right? Solidarity, like working as a block is more likely, more likely to get what you want uh, than not. Now, the challenge is always keeping a group together, right? As we've seen a hundred different times. I want to say... I can tell you are in some mental distress about this, if only because I've seen you take five different positions as you argue with yourself over the past 10 Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a fascinating not... conversation. This is why I thought I'd just bring it up yeah. here. You will not change the course of history on this one. They were going to get there anyways. They just have the benefit now of having somebody who's seen as a progressive having said it, and they can throw it in your fucking face. And that sucks for you, but it doesn't fundamentally change the course of things here. They were going to get there. They were oh, going to get there I, for sure. I suspect they would have. Carter, any final words, or was your final word uh, just uh, just say? Calm the and, fuck and down. Just, but... I mean, Jesus, gone through this a thousand <laughs> times. Welcome oh, to the no. club. I'm sorry. This is not about me. This is about educating the listeners. Okay, Carter, and I feel oh, like okay. we've done. This is about thing. Zane Velge for leader. This yeah. is about my campaign and crisis. You know what? I'm, I'm okay. pulling my I'm pulling my support from the Zane Velge for. Are leader. you pulling your endorsement? You can't pull your endorsement. Yeah. You are the only it's person gone. to endorse. No, it's it's history now. I'm moving. Be... I'm moving to another Muslim. That's all okay. I'm going to say. Well, we yeah. got to convert everyone. Oh, that's the Lord. whole point, Carter. That's the I, whole point. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. That's why I didn't like the Catholics either. Or the Christians. Uh, we're gonna move it. Uh, we're gonna move it on to, other to the evangelicals. <laughs> oh my God! How does how how are you the guy being clipped and not Stephen when he says things? like Oh, it's that? Fine. I don't know. It's oh. amazing. It's like it's constant in, right? Like oh, yeah, he's gonna say so. something stupid. It's constant you know in. <laughs> I've got a new coalition: conservative Muslims. You guys are my people now. Uh, let's move it on to our next segment. Our next segment: Pharmacare for all. Corey, it has happened. We have a deal. <sighs> God. We have a deal. Jagmeet Singh is out there with his communications. And he, you know what he's saying, Corey? He is saying that indeed, because of him, they, as in the federal NDP, have inked the deal with the liberals on Pharmacare. That's right. After tense negotiations with the big pharma-backed liberals, that's Jagmeet Singh's words, Corey, we've secured the <laughs> first step towards the NDP National Pharmacare Plan by covering birth control and diabetes medication. This means you will get the medicine you need. Stephen Carter, Alberta has just signaled a couple hours ago, if I'm not mistaken, that they're not going to be participating in this, in this plan. 
Give to me the political win this is, that this is for the, for the federal NDP. This has been across the headlines for the last number of weeks, the, the ongoing sort of grinded out negotiations. Um, diabetes medication is in, it's out, it's in, it's out, and it's, it's, it's in, turns out. But of course, Carter, this is, this is that first step towards securing that deal. This is the step that the NDP said they needed to keep supporting the liberals from a pure political supply yeah. and confidence level. How big is this for the NDP? What, what do you think the liberals' opening position was, right? Like, what do you think it was? The liberals are going to open with, we will fund um, placebos. And the NDP were like, no, 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 can't have placebos. That would be ridiculous. And the liberals say, okay, well, what if we throw in contraception, <laughs> right? And, and the NDP are like, no, 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 no. We want pharmacare, national pharmacare, I tell you. Pharmacare, that's what we want. And then the liberals are like, Oh, I hear what you're saying. I think we'll throw in now, <laughs> we'll throw in diabetic medicine. Whoa, says Jugmeet Singh. You managed to hit the jackpot. That is exactly what I wanted. I wanted to cover off diabetes and, uh, and, and birth control. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it's great. I think it's great. I got, you know, kids that are birth control. You know, very exciting. I don't need it anymore. Because I'm old, but uh, explain you know that what? part this a little bit. You got kids' birth control, very exciting. <laughs> I'm not very gonna exciting. pick on that. Yeah, okay, no, excellent. Yeah, yeah <laughs> believe me, you don't want grandkids. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, so this is a big thing. This is very exciting, very exciting. But for the general population, does this is this pharmacare, Corey? Corey, let me ask you a question. Right? How much? You know, you've got 100, 150 children. You've had to buy what antibiotics? You've had. You've, you, you know, there's been, oh, there's yeah. been drugs. Lots of medications. The How yeah. many diabetes drugs? And I'm guessing, I'm just guessing, your kids aren't on birth control as yet. Yeah, all true, Stephen. So yeah. I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Your point about what was the liberals negotiating position, like it's... What, the Liberals signed an agreement saying we'd bring in national pharmacare, and now they have a great deal with the NDP that brings in probably the two least objectionable components of national pharmacare. Just ridiculous. Right? Well, it's the first like, step. Least for. objectionable. It's this, the first this step. This is going to drive me into antidepressants. So, to, what to this me, is going to drive me well, into. Well, <laughs> Corey, finish your thought, and then, and then I've, got a, I've got a follow-up question here, which is, frankly, does it even matter? I guess you could make an argument that there's uh, incrementalism now possible because you've, you're going to create a model and then you can register and list on whatever it ends up being called more and more drugs as time goes on. But yeah, this is um, this is really interesting. And I can kind of imagine the, the comms conversation having led all of this, right? Birth control for women, very popular. In fact, isn't this a thing in British Columbia already? Yeah, it is. So, um, and then nobody thinks it is in any way appropriate that uh, that diabetes medicine costs as much as it does. So again, from a comms perspective, like the two absolute least objectionable components um, are now in the front window here. Just which, minimal. Which almost implies that the rest of it is going to be harder to do. Is that not right, Carter? Like, and, and I guess the question here to me is, does any of the materiality here matter? Does any of the substance here even matter? Right? Like, or is it just the presence of the fact that there is substance and we can call it pharmacare? You know what I mean? Like, have we gotten into such, uh, you know, simple headline based politics that does the substance of what the framework first step even matter? Or the fact that the NDP can go back and say, we did it. We've gotten pharmacare on track. We are going to get this done. And is that just a political win anymore? Like, help me delineate where we are in this world of politics where, where substance needs to ground certain things but doesn't need to ground other things. What do you think of this in, in terms of that, if you look at as as a spectrum? Listen, I'm already against the dental deal. Why am I against the dental deal? Because it doesn't benefit average Canadians. If you want to do something that's going to have electoral impact, you can't just play around the edges. you got to find the average Canadian, and you've got to say, how can I impact you? And then you have to impact them, right? You are not impacting them with these two medicines. I interviewed a doctor, Dr. Danielle Martin, for a uh, thing at the University of Calgary one time before mm. Corey was there. So, you know, he's put me on the blacklist since. But when I was, you know, I was given the opportunity to interview her as, as and mediate the, this panel. And she talked about a national pharmacare program that would cost a few, you know, $10 billion or something like that. Her book is called Better Now, if anybody wants to read it. It's, uh, 
I, I mean, I was intrigued with it because she said it's a very small number of drugs that you need to actually cover if you're going to implement a national pharmacare program. I argued with her. I thought that you needed to cover off the exotics, right? Because mm. this is getting nowhere near that kid. You know, there's a kid somewhere that's going to need a drug and that drug's going to be $3,000 per pill and they're right, going to need right, a pill right. every day for 30 days times the rest of their lives, right? So this is... This isn't going to even come close to touching that, right? So if, if you've got that extreme case that we can't cover, and I was saying you need to cover that because that's the thing that pops up every month, every year, right? Like all the time, there's some kid that can't get the medicine, can't afford the medicines, isn't insured for the medicines. And now we're going to have all of this. I mean, this is, this is so narrow as to be useless in the same fashion that the dental program is so narrow as to be useless. So... The, the liberals, you may not, you may as well not even try, but they're keeping their coalition and their coalition continues to accomplish what I said it would accomplish when it was announced, uh, you know, two years ago. I said, this isn't going to accomplish fuck all. This is the NDP being stupid. And here we are. The NDP continues to be stupid. Corey. Headline. NDP do they continue? Two questions. Do the NDP continue to be stupid, quote unquote, <laughs> Stephen Carter's statement? And does the materiality of what this framework include even matter? Or is this just a purely a branding exercise that the NDP can can get the maximum value that they need to from? Well, let's say it's a branding exercise for the liberals and the new Democrats trying to wrong foot the conservatives. I could see that. In some ways, it's like the laziest fucking wedge. Like, let's offer to cover birth control and watch a certain subset of the population's hair explode. Let's then highlight that certain subset of the population and let's just all hold hands and walk merrily into 2025 where we win the next election. Okay, maybe that's a theory of the campaign. Don't know how that's going to work for your team, but okay, right? There is a less cynical view, which is that this is seen as the art of the possible right now, right? We can't afford full... Listen, I see Carter shaking his head. This is not my view. I'm going to throw the view out there. There is a view that says, hey, we just start with these things. They're pretty popular. They won't cost us too much. It will create this groundswell of support. It will allow us to index more things over time. And then all of a sudden, we have that National Pharmacare program we both love. Hey, look at us go. Way to go, everybody. And yeah, we did a little bit of kabuki theater to give that like, oh, you drive a hard bargain, right, to get there. Okay, that's maybe what they're trying to do, too. But I do tend to agree with Stephen Carter that this is so narrow as to be useless and perhaps even counterproductive. You know, my own personal view of government is that government um, should do really well on things, yeah, but like limited in scope, but near unlimited generosity within that scope. I just wish government would try fewer things and land the things it does do. That's my own personal view of government, right? And part of that is rooted in the idea that government half-assing a million fucking things is not the recipe for government doing better things or more things. Like you're not creating support for government by having 20 failed programs to every one program, right? Or 20 programs you can immediately poke holes into every one program. And I do think that this liberal government's been a consequential government. They've brought in a lot of programs. I'd like them to stick some landings, okay? That's what I would like. Carter? Is this is yes. this beyond a risk of not sticking a landing? Explain to me and the listeners how this could be counterproductive. Like how this could just like and is it counterproductive just simply because the landing doesn't stick and it's another landing that doesn't stick or is it something else in your mind in terms of how this could actually backfire politically and strategically for 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 the liberals here? Well, I mean, I think that one of the big challenges we have right now is that people are saying other people are getting more rights than I'm getting, right? Other people's rights are, are more important than my rights. And I'm not, I'm not saying that, but that seems to be one of the big, the big concerns, right? Uh, you know, trans rights. Oh my goodness. This person's getting some sort of special right that I don't have. And now I'm going to get all upset about it because they get a special washroom. Um, you, you know, this is a, uh, this is a common problem where people think that they've, that there are rights that they're not participating in. And because of that, it's not fair. And fairness is one of those 
you know, values that people have that are super powerful. So if something's not deemed to be fair, then it can have a really negative backlash. And this piece of, of Kabuki theater, to quote the, uh, the, the, the late great, Oh, never mind. Not late. The the great yeah, uh, Corey what, Hogan. What what happened? He passed away. Yeah, Sorry, he uh, passed just, away. Uh, it was awkward. Let's just take a quick moment um, of silence, Carter. Just one second. And that was uh, Corey Hogan, former contributor to the podcast. Keep going, yeah. Carter. You know that's going to get cut out by the automatic software. Anyways, the uh, the point of the oh, exercise let's just do it is a light. Like, no, we're not going to do that, Zane. I'm done already. I'm, I'm moving past it. Okay, it's <laughs> okay, good. But I was this is, to get for this, the late great. I think that this has the chance of generating a significant, uh, significant backlash because there's a group of people getting something for free that I have to pay for, and that is the the worst type of political uh, endeavor. Corey, if you were tasked with selling something so narrow, how would you have sold it? How would you have advised I, selling something like this e- to either the governing liberals or the NDP, right? If you were in that room with the negotiating team being like, okay, guys, here's some principles on how we sell this thing, because we know what it is. Canadians know what they were expecting. Um, you know, art of the possible, not very sexy, not very ambitious, not with the resources we can muster here. Here's, here's some principles on how we're trying to sell this thing, guys. And what would they, what would they include? At least a couple of those principles. Sure. Well, let's be clear. These are good things, in my opinion, at least. I think it's good that these things are not mm-hmm. going to be costs that that uh, you know groups have to burden because that that burden is unfair in many ways and lands unfairly. And I do think that because of that, the communications is not super complex, right? You get to say, "Hey, isn't it isn't it good that we've birth control disproportionately is a cost that lands on women? Let's get rid of this pink tax." That just makes mm-hmm, sense, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not even something that the whole population has to contend with, and isn't this a good place where the government can kind of step in and and make things kind of right, like rebalance what is otherwise a, a pretty fundamentally unfair situation. Similarly, when you talk about diabetes medicine, and you can talk about the crazy cost of insulin these days and you know some of the spikes that we've seen over the past 10 years in that space there's kind of a a moral imperative argument and certainly there are enough diabetics in the world that that's something where a lot of people will know somebody who's directly affected without you know getting into the very exotic drugs that Stephen Carter's talking about which are prohibitively expensive mm-hmm, i would even mm-hmm, use that mm-hmm, word mm-hmm. for you know for a government that doesn't necessarily have super deep coffers at this moment and so, yeah, I, I actually, your question's interesting to me because I get the sense that in many ways this was built. Like in either of those scenarios I talked about, either the laziest wedge or the thin edge of the wedge in order to open the door to bigger pharmacare, they both have a communications first approach, right? Mm-hmm, they say, mm-hmm, what are mm-hmm. the two pieces of this that we can best communicate? And either we go from there or we don't, depending on whether this is a one-off or it's something bigger, but... It's all rooted in communications. I I think that there is a reason why they did this uh, in this fashion. And that's because, especially the people who vote liberal and new Democrat, these will be very popular measures. And they are generally perceived by the population as a good thing. Carter, what would you be your framework of trying to sell? Like Corey's framework, right? Like you're not not getting too caught up in the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, this is good shit. Right, like we are delivering shit you people want. Like, and yes, the scope might be narrowed, the population base might be narrowed, but we're leading with that. Carter, would you have any particular principles if you were in that room helping the government or the NDP communicate on the, this win? This is phase one. Phase one is is uh, diabetic and uh, con- you know contraception. Phase two is going to be uh, antidepressants and. Uh, blood pressure medications. Phase three is going to be, um, I don't know, what else is, what, uh, there's, there's, not, good. there's not really big, big categories after that, I guess. Oh, Ozempic, uh, we'll put that in phase three. Um, Ozempic uh, for all of your weight loss needs. Um, you know, whatever, whatever the big, the big six things that you can get uh, cheap, um, cheap drugs for. Right, I think that that has to be part of it, um, and then you put it in and you say this is phase one, two, and three, and you go two by two by two, just like some sort of Noah's Ark of drugs, and you just put a date on it, right? 
We're going to do the, the first one in 2024, second one in 2026, conveniently right after the next election, and the next one in 2028. We're going to have a full PharmaCare program in 2028. And let's be clear, when we say PharmaCare, we don't mean every possible drug ever considered. We mean the drugs that Canadians use the most. That's what you're going to be able to walk up, show your health care card, and get that particular drug. And this is phase one, two, and three. It's going to all occur before 2030. And Corey, yeah. uh, Noah, of, co of course, a recognized Muslim prophet. So Carter really tying these two segments together yeah, very nicely. Yeah, peace be upon him. I like oh, that. Peace be upon yeah. him. Thank you so much. Uh, episode title, uh, <laughs> Noah's Ark of Drugs. Peace be upon him. Uh, 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 Corey, what do you? I, I'm hung up on something. After tense negotiations with the big pharma-backed liberals, what? <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why? <laughs> I, I, maybe, I, maybe I just don't get it, but to me, it's just like, dude, what? I don't understand wh wh where that comes from, why it's there. Do you see the strategy behind this? This seems to be a partnership. If you go in with, and Carter, I really loved your framework, right? If you go in with Carter's framework, there's fucking several more phases to happen here. So like, you know, I, I don't understand that if I'm being honest with you. Maybe there's an audience that it appeals to that I don't appreciate or there's some undercurrent of conversation that's happening that I'm not clued into. But I wanted to throw that particular word. I know we don't usually dissect like word choice, but this one stuck out like big pharma backed liberals. Really? Like the, your friends and allies that are going to execute on the thing you've I, what do you think? Maybe I'm maybe I'm off base here. I I think I know what they were trying to do. I don't think it was a super smart idea, but it was essentially to try to grab some of that populist language and and say like, hey, you can't trust the liberals to deliver these programs because they're too Bay Street. They're too in the pocket of, uh, you know, all of the various industries that we need to regulate and kind of push out of conversations like PharmaCare. And uh, but and that's why you vote NDP and that's why you send NDP MPs to Ottawa and, that, and we get results. That's what I think he was going okay. for. I think the reality of such commentary is anybody who is critical about a narrow scope will be like, well, sounds like the big pharma back liberals fucking rolled you, you <laughs> dummy. And uh, you've just given a great opportunity to turn a win into a loss. And, and that is the fundamental problem. They've got to be united in presenting this as a win. At least until we have the details before they start undercutting it by suggesting that one, you know, that their counterparty here, that their partner here, partner, keep in mind, they've got a supply and confidence agreement with them until this gets introduced. Like, why are they doing this? Like, I, it, that to me was was the insanity that only comes from being too deep in partisan politics. You know, yeah. Carter, any thoughts on that? Welcome. But to me, I, I'm almost kind of wondering, and this is more so broad strokes advice for the NDP federally, which is when they co-create a program and want to take credit for it, do they have to undercut the folks that they created it with like the fucking second the ink is dry? Or is there a way that looking like the authors of this program, they can take a different approach? And it goes back to the old business thing, right? Two ways to build the tallest building. You either build the tallest building or you cut someone else's building down in size sort of thing, right? And in, in, in the NDP's case, do they have to? Like every single time being like, hey, we got these fuckers to do something, but let's not be, be clear. We did it and they're still fuckers. Okay, well, move I think on, you right? can do it with but like is there a different approach names. here? Is there a yeah. different approach here? Yeah, don't call them names. Even even right? outside of the names. Like can they can they just be the bigger person here or am I just being too naive in in, in saying that that lane is available to the NDP? Well, I mean, you could even damn with faint praise. There, there's a million different ways that you could do this and build your political brand, which is ultimately what the NDP are trying to do. They're, they're trying yeah, to build yeah, themselves yeah. up by tearing the other guy down. And they just do it so badly. Like it is, you know, the only group worse than the federal liberals right now at communication are the federal NDP. And, and that's, I mean, that's a staggering level to get to. And here we are. Here we are. They they have articulated no particular role for themselves. And the only way that they seem to be able to define themselves is by name, you know, calling names to the to the people that they're supposed to be partnering with. And in fact, just did a deal with to keep in government. So, again, you're just not proving how powerful you are. You're just proving how weak you are. Corey, any thoughts here around like more broad advice for the NDP? 
around how they kind of take credit well and effectively? Yeah, well, you can take credit to Stephen's point without... Here's the thing. I, I, I am actually sitting here kind of almost a little torn in my own thoughts on this. Part of me thinks you got to let them love it and then tell them you did it instead of before any you of mean, us you decided mean people this like is... people getting program the program delivering for yeah them. right well i don't even mean necessarily the program delivering for okay them. i mean people hearing about them like this is not even out yet like yeah, we yeah. have this announcement but we don't know some of the fine stroke details how this is going to work we don't know the province's reactions i mean you just mentioned alberta's reaction seems negative quebec's reaction seems negative mm-hmm. you know not these are bad things in the case of quebec or really alberta but more this is we want to go our own way right so i don't know like for you to go and be like ah this is we did it right and we've had to fight the big bad liberals to do it before any dust is settled like it like it seems to be predicated on this assumption that everybody's gonna love this and that they need to get as much credit as possible for it and i think that that's my problem with it i think there is still a common sales job that the liberals and ndp need to do before they start you know carving up the pie as to who gets what credit that's my view on this yeah carter final thoughts on here anything you got well i just i mean i think that they're they would have been far better off just to turn this into and we wanted so much more but you can only get we can only we wanted so much more when you deliver this one so i agree with Corey. deliver this one then say we should have gotten more and and don't fucking name call there's just no point in it Let's move on to our next segment, our next segment, Pierre's Positions. Carter, Pierre Polyev, he stepped into the debate. He's actively stepped into the debate, deliberately, on trans rights. He did it this past week, um, saying biological males should be banned from women's sports, change rooms, and bathrooms. This is, of course, on the heels of him kind of arguably flubbing a question uh, earlier on on puberty blockers, in in some ways kind of, you know, on the facts, not necessarily knowing what they were, conflating them uh, with with different types of of hormones. Uh, Quote, female spaces should be exclusively for females, not biological males. He said in his typical Pierre Polyev voice, definitive, kind of looking at them being like, you know, what else would it be? Uh, He made the comments uh, after being asked if the prime minister, uh, after being asked if as prime minister, he would introduce legislation to prevent transgender women or biological men from participating in female sports. Carter, he stepped into the debate. This is this is not the yeah. Pierre Polyev from two and a half weeks ago, where everyone was silent and we're going to just you know try to get through this. No, we're now leaning into this. Is this a strategically sound or right move by Pierre Polyev in your mind? Well, I think it's a morally horrible move. Um, so let's just start with the morals of it. Uh, government's supposed to be there to protect. Uh, minorities and to stand uh, against the the mob. But when you look at the polling, and the polling is strong, uh, the polling is telling us a story that um, picking on the, the weak kid uh, probably isn't a bad strategy. Um, so, you know, am I super stoked about this policy or uh, positioning? Absolutely not. But um, as long as we've got groups, and I'm not going to name any of the groups, but as long as we've got groups that are prepared to say my religious beliefs involve involve trashing these these kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm afraid we're going to have politicians saying, "Oh, that's a great way to go get those group votes to bring us back to the initial point of view." Yeah, yeah, of, initial of our uh, discussion, the initial conceit of of the first segment. You're right, yeah. uh, Corey. Same question for you. Um, you know, they took this bit of a break. They huddled. You almost thought there was almost going to be like, we're going to try to like not, we're going to ride this out. We're not going to speak on this particular issue. This is a provincial issue. And then here we are. He's into it. Mm-hmm. He takes the bait. No, well, he maybe wanted to take the bait. Doesn't reject the premise. Leans into it. What do you think of that strategy? Yeah. Well, like Carter, I, I kind of think it sucks that government would take that approach. I think that this is such an exception-based space to begin with that to create blanket rules is absurd. And 
I, I just don't understand why, why all of a sudden conservatives are the organization of big government in this context, right? Like this is just, just a little much for me here. And also to take these positions the same week, we're all, you know, digesting and reading the news about next Benedict and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the horrible death down there related to bathrooms here. Just uh, like, Man, part of me thinks read the room, but darkly, I think he is reading it. He has, like, I yeah, right. I, think I was going to ask you exactly polls. that. Has he read the room? Yeah. And, and this is exactly uh, like in line well, with that. Response. I think, I think the polling is pretty clear at this point, right? And it doesn't speak great to him that he waited to figure out where the polling was. He doesn't have uh, a moral compass on this issue so much as he's got a pollster's answers to this question and he's decided this is the position that the Mm. conservatives are going to take and that it's not going to have spillover effect and cause him damage or be seen as retrograde on a dozen other issues Corey, can i stick with you on this i want to i want to kind of throw back a Corey hoganism back at you uh, on the polling do you think parental rights is a novel concept and that while it, it may it is a winning frame for conservatives province to province, New Brunswick, Saskatchewan, Alberta, now taken on by the federal leader, that it fun- fundamentally, when you scratch beyond the surface, it is a novel concept and maybe not as sticky or robust as conservatives are banking it to be as they take these uh, more strident positions against against the trans community. Yeah, I. I think it might be. Uh, Jared Wesley at the University of Alberta put uh, some polling in front of my face that I thought was super interesting about how changing the question can change the consideration on this. And so it does reinforce my view that we are still wrestling over the question. And I have no doubt that if it's framed in certain ways, people say, yeah, biological males, get out. And I have no doubt that framed different ways... People will have more nuanced views on this and have a little bit more care and concern as to what the actions of a government in this space would mean. But when you just kind of look at the preponderance of evidence that comes from polling right now, it does seem to be that the bulk of public opinion in this country is is kind of against trans rights. And that's sad to say, but that's the reality. However... The bulk of public opinion at different times has been against all sorts of Mm -hmm. things. Doesn't mean that the public feels great about it down the road. And I think on an issue like this, which is still so new, I just think that the odds of it shifting, I I think it can shift in years, not decades. And it was decades where some of these other social issues had to shift, such as gay marriage, such as interracial marriage, uh, matters of the sort. And so I definitely don't think that we've got to sort of accept like, okay, here we are. This is just how Canadians view this issue now. I don't. I don't think that that's the reality. But I do think we need to be realistic about where public opinion is. And nebulous, you can put some interesting arguments in front of people where they say, well, that might change how I view this particular matter. But on net, Canadians are sort of in the space that Pierre uh, decided he was going to try to claim. Carter, are you, would you be, as a conservative strategist, let's say you're a conservative strategist mm-hmm. who was just trying to pick up the political wins as they were presented to you, right, along the way so that you could uh, fundamentally get your leader to a position that in 2025, they enjoy the comfortable 17-point lead that Pierre Polyev enjoys right now. That's a quote from the most recent poll. Okay. Would you be worried on this issue? Like for, to, from, from, a, about? from a novel concept perspective that, you know, this could crumble, this could, the frame could change. Progressives, like the prime minister's now going after this issue as well, like on the, on the other side of it, unsurprisingly. So there is an effort being made to shift the frame back here, that a battle of frames is continuing, that the, that, you know, on this question, the question isn't even set. It isn't like hard coded. Would you kind of think to yourself, man, you know, there is a bit of a risk here. We could we could be doing something that is not as durable as we think it is. And in 16 months time could be kicking ourselves for waiting into something we didn't fucking need to as conservatives. Would, would there be a part of you thinking that or are you are you comfortable? Not, I'm not saying personally comfortable, but are you strategically comfortable that, that you've seen enough polling to, you know, let the conservative movement go down the track that it is? Generally, I believe that people stand on the side of protecting the weak and protecting those that are, yes, um, yes. you know, at risk. So, from that, if 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 we start with that as the premise, generally speaking, the, that is the side that we are on. Then the conservatives are on the wrong side of it. But there seems to be something that's happening right now, and that something that's happening has been happening for quite some time. The conservative movement. 
uh, such as it is, is no longer a progressive conservative movement. If it's going to continue to hold its its position, it has to continues to be a um, more and more socially conservative agenda, uh, following in the footsteps of um, the Americans, really. Uh, but you know, uh, all across uh, the conservative world, we're seeing a shift towards you know social issues, um, race related issues. My fear is that in this particular case, targeting trans youth is is the thin edge of the wedge. Who else are we targeting? And one of the groups, you know, one of one of the groups that I would consider should probably take you know, open their eyes quite a bit. Is you start with trans youth, you wind up with immigrants in a very quick, mm-hmm, very quick mm-hmm, order, mm-hmm. in very quick order. But um, you know, it's it's a it's a short. Where we are right now isn't going to change. Uh, and Pierre Polyev is probably going to be able to ride this for the 18 months against him to the, uh, to the, to the election, because these things are measured in years, often decades, very rarely months. It's, it's a fascinating point, Carter, including your last one on immigrants, right? Like to tie this back to the first segment, you know, people know where I stand on the trans rights question, but one of the ones, you know, arguments I was giving, because the conversation certainly devolved to trans rights in the Muslim community broadly, which has been a headline grabbing thing of its own right. And it's like, guys, what the fuck are we doing? Even if you don't don't have the conviction on this file, like, do you know who we are in like the broader societal spectrum here? Like, let's yeah. like, let's not kid ourselves in, in, in some way. Corey, your thoughts on this? Same question. You're a conservative strategist. Would you have any pause in being like, man, we may be we may be on something right now, but this may not be the frame that we face months from now? Yeah, for sure I would, and I'll tell you why. And it has to do with when I've worked with various groups to build platforms, one of the things that I, if time and money allows, my belief is the best way to do this is to start by polling on individual issues. What's the popularity? Like, you know, is this an 80-20 issue? Is this 60-40? Mm-hmm. Like, let's see the general popularity of the various stances that we might take in a platform, right? Then the next thing I would recommend is, okay, but those are individual issues and they might cut one way, they might cut another way. So let's put them in a bundle and let's put a story around them. And then let's test that bundle and that story, which you can really only do as a second poll after you've got the first polling. And then you take that bundle and the story and you test it with voice. Okay, if this is the Alberta NDP saying it, how do people feel? If this is the Alberta UCP saying it, how Mm -hmm, does people mm -hmm. feel? And this goes back to some fundamental stuff that we all used to do together at Hill and Knowlton, right? You'll recall the framework of message image voice, right? Where we would randomize all of these and we would see how different components affected people's receptivity to messages here, right? You can win the battle and you can lose the war. You can pick an issue that is by the numbers popular and you can lose because you have taken that position. We saw this, I would argue, in Alberta last year. Increasing corporate taxes, huge, popular, Very. individually popular. If conservatives had proposed it, it would probably have been a massive home run for them because it's individually popular. But when people have concerns about economic management by one party and that same party proposes something where the critique back is, maybe this will hurt the economy, that same 70-30 issue becomes a problem for you, despite you technically being on the popular side of that issue. Because the voice, because your brand, because the bundle starts to fall apart. And if the bundle was including stability and confidence and assurance, that was a miss. And if the voice included the voice of somebody that people have economic anxieties about, that's a miss. And so you just have to be very careful about how individual issues can lead you astray. They are not the be-all and the end-all. There's a forest, that's a tree. Carter, any wow. response to that? And I've gotten it. It was beautiful. Just kind of stuck uh, on. There's like, a like forest. Scripture. That's a tree. Oh. Um, <laughs> it was like really scripture. good, Corey. I mean, it was, it was, save it for it the holiday. I'm not gonna lie, my, my nipples I got hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want. I want some music underneath that. Some. Yeah. Some really. I'd already used the battle and war metaphor at the start. Really good. It's good. You know? It's good. He he thinks yeah. in paragraphs and he speaks in it now too, Carter. Carter. It's kind of annoying. Hey, listen. I think it stands as myself, Stephen Carter. Yeah. Is this good is this good politics for the PM? Like in some ways he's fighting his progressive primary against Jagmeet Singh. Um you know, and, and you may know the 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 um, the big pharma back liberals is is that's the PM. Um I'm saying what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, just so we're clear because we now all use that term. Yeah. Uh, should Trudeau lean into this aggressively? He did last week. Like he did, 
right? Like he responded to Pierre, he responded to Daniel Smith. He kind of seemed to have a fuck Daniel Smith moment last week and was like, ah, fuck it. I'm just going to go after, uh, you know, her and, and Pierre on, on this and other issues. But on this file, what do you think is most strategic? And then I'm going to introduce your word and moral, like not fight the fight, fight the fight for political gain and win your progressive primary. Well, like, how would you think about it with both of those lenses on? Or both of those hats well, on, I guess, to, to use a better term. I'd fight the fight, and then I'd, I'd start talking about what we were prepared to do. Because um, you're going to have to have, you're going to have to fight a bit of, an, of a dirty fight through this, because there are very big populations that you need to win. Uh, you know, the liberals uh, standing with the Muslim and Hindu communities uh, couldn't be much lower than it is right now. Uh, and it used to be a strong point. So how are you going to earn it back? How are you going to win it back? Uh, what are you going to do to um, to do that? And sometimes it can be positives. You know, you're going to help with certain positive things, and sometimes it can be negative. You know, and I think that floating some negative ideas are probably a, a pretty decent idea. Corey, would you lean into this if you're the PM? Um. Well, I hate giving the same answer every time this comes up, but it depends on the story they want to tell in the next election. And if the story they want to tell is a defender, which is a traditional liberal position of minority rights, why the hell not? Right? That's very consistent with liberalism as we've seen it in this country from basically the quiet revolution in Quebec on. So why the hell not? Now, if you're going to run an entirely different playbook, maybe you still strongly believe in trans rights, but maybe that's not the thing you want to be spending all of your time talking about. So it really depends on the story that the prime minister is trying to put together. Assuming he's still the guy who's running. Oh my God. Like, yeah, I mean like his, his numbers are abysmal Mm -hmm. and uh, he's going to just have to sort of decide what it's going to take to get them out of that ditch. Yeah. Can I just say as an aside, because I distracted myself in this conversation. About his numbers? Yeah, David Coletto posted, uh, you know, kind of the approve, disapprove of Justin Trudeau over time since the last election. And it's it's like just about the smoothest, neatest trend line ever mm-hmm. of down. Like, you know, his approval rating has just declined so consistently. It's not even precipitous so much as it's consistent. And if this trend line continued to the next election, it's he's going to be like 14% approval. And if it doesn't, and it follows the trend line of the last three months, he's going to be at negative 10% approval. Like, the the guy has really got to turn it around. He's done all of these moves, and he continues to get less popular. So, Corey, can I ask you, like, you've opened this bracket, so to speak. Now, can 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 we explore it a bit? You know what, Carter? Let's, I'm going I'm to explore. Let's live in that. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, let's uh, just Carter, I'm going to explore that bracket in our over under in our lightning round. Let's just okay. start here, Stephen Carter, and I'll start with one Corey Hogan. Even though it is clear we do this for you, yeah, um, I'm, I'm required to say that by our sponsor, uh, which continues uh, as of tomorrow will be the only low budget airline in the game. Carter, isn't that amazing? We've <laughs> I done. I didn't it. believe it. The strategist bump has done it. Hey, Corey, would you rather have a a candidate that would? That would be on a precipitous decline or a steady decline that you'd want to work for on the rebound. Which which would be your political preference? If you were handed the file right now being like, this guy's dropped like a stone or he's had a drop over several months that's precipitous, which one and why would you want to work on? Carter, same question coming to you in a moment. Precipitous, because if something declines rapidly, it can rebound rapidly. When you have kind of a steady, consistent decline, there's probably something more fundamental going on. Carter, same same answer for you? Or is it, is it slightly different for, for the Stephen Carter approach? Um, I mean, I think that the, the precipitous, it really depends on what precipitated it. Like, what what is the cause? Because if, if the cause was a complete and total fuck-up, then mm. it's pretty hard to get out of that, too. That's true. So, you're talking about the context here. Like, if it was a scandal yeah, that, like, takes I'm, you off the game. Okay, okay. <clears throat> I honestly think that most declines of a well-known politician are almost always irreversible. So, you know, you can work for any of them because you can have, you're basically, you're only, you're only negative, like you're either going to win or you're going to lose and everybody expects you to lose. So Christy Clark's done it. uh, Dalton McGinty has done it. uh, Alison Redford did it. There's been a number of people who've come from these types of 
really negative situations, but it requires a very specific type of campaigning that I'm not sure that uh, Justin's quite figured out yet. Carter, I'm going to I'm going to leave this next question, this final question with you to start us off with. Are you in or are you out on the PM's sort of fuck you moment this this past week? Uh, he was on Real Talk with Ryan Jesperson. He kind of went after the, the the oil and gas industry for dragging its heels, for conservative politicians, for fooling Canadians. Both of those things made headlines in their own way. Are you in or out on this version of Justin Trudeau? And, and maybe perhaps by extension, do you think we'll see more of it? I'm in. I think that he's going to need to be the biggest fighter that he's ever been. I mean, I, I, I would probably put pictures of him boxing with uh, Brazo, uh, Brazo. Yeah, was it close? Yep. Um, in 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 all of the campaign offices, that's the guy. That's the guy that we're trying to put out. It, this is a fight, and we have to fight to win. Corey, uh, Ryan Jesperson interviewing Justin Trudeau on one of those beautiful tables. Uh, Trudeau really taking a, a fighting stance, deep cut from the last <laughs> Patreon episode. Are you in? Not that deep. Uh, well, yeah, for, for a large portion of the audience, yes. It's it's behind a $6 paywall. Are you in right. or are you out, minimum $6 paywall, on, on what you're seeing with, with, with uh, Justin Trudeau? And by extension, do you think you're going to see more of it? I think I'm out because oh. I think it's just more of the same of what we've seen him try to do in the last few months, which is, yeah, we're going to be a little bit more chippy. We're going to be a little more pugilistic. I'm going to take the fight. I'm going to stand up for the things that I believe in. And I see no evidence at all whatsoever that it's working. I see none. And so I, I, you know, again, not to repeat myself, it really depends on what he's going to try to do and what he's going to try to run on. But regardless of what he tries to do and run on, He's not going to win if it's not a winning formula. And I don't think this is proving to be a winning formula for him. I think there's a group of people who feel fucking fantastic when the prime minister fights with the prime minister's enemies. I think there's a lot of other people who say, yeah, this smug prick, more of the same. And he's got to watch that. And yeah, listen, that's not my view of him, but I think you've got to be kidding yourself if you don't. If you don't believe that's many people's view of them. We are going to leave it there. I was going to have an entire segment where I do a chronic recitation for you, but we don't have time. We just do not have time. We're, we're going to leave time. it there. Hard in. Oh, Hard we're in. Gonna, we're going to leave it there. That's a wrap on episode 1288 of The Strategist. My name is Zane Velger. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter, and we'll see you next time.